praise the Lord. I'm so glad we know that name tonight. I realize a big portion of the earth says that name. But we know that there's more to just the name than just repeating some letters, aren't there? There's a character that comes with that name. Do they forget to pay the electric bill in here? It sure is hot, ain't it? That must have been extra on the rent. <laughs> Revelation chapter 17. Certainly happy to be here tonight. Appreciate the opportunity that we can be, be able to gather together and worship and sing and pray and hear the word and be able to fellowship with the saints of God. Revelation chapter 17, verse 16. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put in their hearts to fulfill his will. And to agree, you imagine, to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until. Now they will agree to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. So don't you ever think in your mind that Satan can just do as he pleases. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now, you and I may not like those powers that are in or out or whatever, but remember, our God has control. Whether it looks like it or not. Now, we're not talking about preachers now or people filled with the Holy Ghost. We're talking about dictators that in the tribulation period will agree together and give their power unto the beast until the time will roll around. And once the time rolls around, all of a sudden, they feel totally different. And they don't even know why. We do. We do. Well, if God can do that for absolute heathens, what can he do for children of God? Verse 18. And the woman which thou sawest, is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. That's phenomenal to me, the way that John writes that. The woman that thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings. For we're not talking about reigning over paupers, but she actually reigns over kings of the earth. I may like to be remembered tonight as we pray. God bless you, each of you. Let's bow our hearts together, if you would. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight so much. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that we can gather together once again. We thank you, Father, that we've been able to get this place while we're in our interim of changing from one building to another. We just ask you, Lord, that you would just help us in each one of these services. Father, that you'd sanctify this place 
with your presence. For it's not the gold that sanctifies the altar, but rather the altar that sanctifies the gold. So we pray, Father, that you would help us to recognize your God in this place, just like you'll be God when we get in our new place, just like you were God when we were in our old place, because you're God all the time. You see our needs tonight, sicknesses, diseases, afflictions, things people are going through in their life. We ask you that you just be mindful of each of us. Help me that I can be sensitive tonight to follow your spirit, Lord. There would be someone here that would have a need outside the confines of what I've studied. I pray that you'd help me to follow your spirit. Father, I pray also for the camp that will be going on down in South Carolina this week. Lord, many of our youth will be going down and we're just praying that you would just visit them in such a great way, Lord. May the Spirit of God be with the ministers. May you anoint them. Father, may there be great results that will happen among our young people. Help us tonight, Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. You know, the wheels of prophecy can turn so slow at times. It can be hundreds and hundreds of years, and it seems like that nothing transpires or happens. And then all of a sudden, things begin to unfold and happen, and it's as if one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And before you know it, you find yourself right in the middle of modern events made clear by prophecy. It must have been one of those kinds of times when the children of Israel were in the land of Egypt and God told them, their fathers, that you'll be here for 400 years. It must have seemed like it would never happen. And they would go week after week, year after year, no change, no change at all. Nothing was happening Nothing was transpiring, and it seemed as if though God had forgotten about them. But then all of a sudden, the word began to come into season, and things began to get into motion. And then, before you know it, they found themselves right in the middle of a great fulfillment. It must have been a very similar thing down in the land of Babylon. Whenever the prophet Jeremiah had told them that you'll go there and you'll be there for 70 years, must have seemed like a long time before anything began to happen. And then, all of a sudden, someone began to get into the right spot. There was a a certain man, and then a woman, and then another man. And then the wheels of prophecy began to turn. And things that they, no doubt, had pondered and wondered over, and thought, how will this ever be? How will it ever come to pass? And then as they found themselves in the middle of it, I imagine that it's been that way over and over again, that when prophecy begins to happen, people that are in it, you know, I think of Brother Biscoll and different ones that actually were in parts of visions. You remember the story of him with the green checkered shirt, and yet he didn't even realize that his wife even had one in the bag and taking a fall into the water, and you remember the story, and he goes into his tent, grabs his bag, puts it on, doesn't even know that he's a part of the vision. Yet, how astounding it must have been once he realized 
There he was in a part of something that God had shown many months prior to that. Well, I think that we, as the people of God in the hour that we're living, that we find ourselves in a very similar state. Our, our forefathers wrote about this hour. They prophesied that this time would come, that there would be a time on the earth like had never been before. Daniel prophesied and said that the enemy would come in the last day and that he would wear out the patience of the saints. John saw it in one vision after another. Paul wrote the same thing, that there would be perilous times that would come, that men would be heady, high-minded, lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. Now Paul recognized that he was not living in that day. I hope we recognize that we are. But yet, if we're not careful, we will set prophetic things in such a mindset of our own and we think, well, surely when it happens, it'll be this way and that way. And it may not be the way we're thinking at all. But what I want to be a part of is whatever God is doing and how that God is going to fulfill it, I want to be a part of it whether it comes by the way my flesh thinks or not, don't you? Now, we know that what we're looking at here in this particular season in Revelation chapter 17 is amazing. Now, you know, one, one thing about the book of Revelation as we've been reading that the prophet tells us the book of Revelation is for a certain class of people, and that is a prophetic class. That's why the majority of the world will never understand it. And people want to take the book of Revelation and they want to make it like that it will be one, two, three, four, and then after chapter four, the bride is gone and the bride here will never appear again. But you have to be so careful when you're applying the book of Revelation. Now, we know when it comes to that certain part of the allotment of the first four chapters that the bride in that portion is absolutely taken away. Well, what's amazing is that part of who the bride is will appear again in Revelation chapter 18. And those who take it as if though it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then nothing appears again about the bride, well, you're going to be hurting when you talk about Revelation 10 because that also is talking about the bride. Now, you know, only God can be able to take such a thing and be able to make sense of it all. And we know because that Revelation has so many symbols and so many types that a person trying to read it like you would a newspaper and just pick it up like the brothers read these prayer requests, you won't get one thing out of it. But we know that it takes prophetic understanding to be able to make sense of prophetic symbols. And there is a timeline, there's an allotment of time, and there's segments of time that God allots to it. That's why we needed a prophet in this day. We didn't need another theologian. How many still glad God sent us a prophet? Now I want you to notice here in verse 17, and what we will see is how that there are segments of time that the sovereignty of God, that God must override man's will in order to bring his word to pass. And he will even do it with the elect. And we know if God would have left the plan, his great plan, into the hands of men, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, even us as well, we would have totally messed up the plan of God. 
Abraham messed up, went down, lied about his wife, and that man would have absolutely taken his wife as Satan did in the Garden of Eden, and he would have sowed his seed inside that woman and messed up the very plan of God. But God, by his sovereignty, had to override the weakness of Abraham's faith, and God had to stop Abimelech from doing something terrible as he had to stop Pharaoh, is that right? And I'm sure every one of us tonight can recall of instances in our life when we made up our mind we was going to do this or that or the other, and all of a sudden something stopped us from doing what we had already determined we were going to do, and if we would have done that, we would have messed up the entire program of God. So God's sovereignty sometimes has to override man's, even man's free moral agency in order to make his will come to pass. Now what we're seeing here in the book of Revelation is during the time of the tribulation period. By the time Revelation 17, 17 actually comes to fruition is when the power of the beast is already riding high. The full colors and the manifestation of all of it is doing exactly what Daniel and what John said would happen. But even though the power of the Antichrist and the power of the beast is running the way that it is, God still has sovereign control and still has the ability to move on the scene. They're not praying He will. They're not hoping He will. They're not asking that He will. The Spirit of God has completely lifted from the earth. There's not another Gentile been saved since the bride comes. Now notice this setting. There's no real revival that is going on. There are people that are coming. Many of these denominational churches, they will preach like never before. Many of their preachers will make altar calls. People will come up. They will cry. They will scream. They will beg for mercy. Many of them will think it's the greatest revival since the book of Acts. And the truth of it is, there won't be one of them getting saved. Because the mercy seat has been removed, the sanctuary has become smoky, and there's not one more Gentile that'll be saved. Even the foolish virgin must be saved before the bride goes home. Look, friend, don't get in your mind, well, I'm only speaking to bride. You're so selfish if you think that way. This is the way I look at it. If God ordains me to be able to give a little bit of sunshine to a foolish virgin, if God ordains me to be able to speak a little bit of joy, a little bit of peace, I'll tell you, I went, I stopped at a store the other day and the manager was sitting there. I've stopped there a few times right near the dollar, dollar store where we live. And as I walked in there to get me something to drink and something to eat, and the woman was sitting there crying and she was shaking like a leaf. And I walked over to her and I laid my hand on her shoulder and said, Ma'am, are you all right? And she said, I have seizures and whenever I come out of them, I have these, these sessions to where that I, I, I can't grab a hold of my body and my nerves and I'm just shaking and, and quivering and I, she's crying and tore all to pieces. I said, can I pray for you? She said, please. I laid my hands on her right there. There was people coming and going in and out of the grocery store. It didn't make no difference. I didn't ask that woman if she believed the message. She had mascara on. She had a pair of pants on. But my heart was moved. My heart was moved. So I figured I should go beyond the mascara. I figured I should go beyond her pants. 
and I laid hands on the woman. I felt, oh glory, no sooner than mentioned the name of the Lord Jesus and I felt his presence come right there in that little grocery store. And I seen the Spirit of God move for that woman. And in a few minutes, I went back over and I asked her, I said, you doing all right? And she said, I'm doing better. Thank you. And I saw the Spirit of God. Why? Because he loves humanity. He didn't put it on my heart to ask her if she understood Malachi 4. I wasn't even sure if she believed in healing or not. But I felt the unction of the Holy Ghost to ask her. When I got ready to check out, the assistant manager said, thank you so much. I said, you're welcome. So I think, you know what? What we can do for people, whether they ever darken the door of our church or not. The Lord Jesus never asked people, do you believe I'm the Messiah? Do you believe I'm this or that? But he was moved with compassion upon the people if we're his bride we ought to have the same character you should not just love those that are bride and have a kind word to those that are bride as a matter of fact you don't know who is bride and who ain't bride we ought to treat everybody with the love of God with the mercy of God it might be the only real Jesus they ever see is when they see him in your life Oh my, I believe our God loves the human race. It ain't no wonder Brother Branham said he prayed when he was here that God would help the doctors to find a cure for cancer. Now this man had more success in his ministry praying for cancer than any other man that ever lived on the earth. And yet he prayed that God would help the doctors. Why? He knew some people wouldn't believe in divine healing. But Brother Branham was like that in that he had that love for people. He did not want to see them suffer. How many feels the same way tonight? Why would we see God displaying himself? then it gives us confidence. Now, we know whenever God is going to move during this time of the tribulation period, Satan knows by this time he only has but a short time. The mechanics of the beast are already working. I said it here last Wednesday night. I believe, no doubt, Moses and Elijah, or let me say it this way, the two men who will receive the anointing of Moses and Elijah are already here. I believe that the Pope, the one who will be the representation of the beast power, that the head demon will get inside of his body until the bride goes up. And when the bride goes up, then Satan comes down. And that head demon moves out and Satan himself moves in that body. No doubt that man is on the earth tonight. If it's not the Pope that is in there, if he does, well, it may be the next one, it may be the next one, but I personally believe we are that close that those men are on the earth tonight. Moses and Elijah, they may be stock traders in New York. They may be diamond sellers, you know, in Belgium. I don't know who they are or what they are. They may not even be born again themselves. I don't know. But I know one thing. I believe we're so close to the end time that the mechanics is on the earth right now. The beast power is already here on the earth. And the mechanics of the Antichrist system are already working. Remember when the bride goes up, Satan ain't got 40 years to take his time. So behind the scenes tonight, he's already manipulating. He's already moving. He's already orchestrating. But oh, let me tell you, if he's getting his mechanics together, I believe the mechanics for the rapture are already in motion as well. 
and the baptism of the Holy Ghost is already here. What is the dynamics of this church? The prophet tells us the dynamics is a refilling of the Holy Ghost which we have worked in part while the headstone has been descending. I say send it tonight, Lord. Send it, Lord God, and get us ready. May the last one come in. May the last one whose name is on that book, may they come in and be filled with the Holy Ghost and completed so we can leave this world. Oh, look at the display of God's power. God has put in their hearts, Revelation 17, 17, to fulfill his will. Wow. Well, shouldn't he ask them? Shouldn't he say, you guys okay with this or not? Are y'all okay with this? I mean, you, you ten, uh, you know, you ten kings or emperors or conquerors rather that you're going to be there and, uh, you know, you've got this authority. Are y'all okay with this? I'm going to take your position. You all right with that? Uh, God don't even ask them, but God is going to make them. Well, I can understand that because sometimes he's had to make me do things. Anybody else here beside me that God had to make you do things? And in reality, he knew how sorry we are and how lazy we are. He knew if it left it up to our will, most of us wouldn't do most of what we have to do. So sometimes God grabs you by the nap of the neck and said, do it, boy. And you say, yes, sir, that's what I wanted to do. Don't lie, you didn't want to do it. You didn't want to do it a bit more than Daniel wanted to do it or John wanted to do it. Brother Branham didn't want to do what he wanted to do. He said, I wish this message was not mine to bring. I'm sure glad he didn't follow what he wanted to do. I'm sure glad John didn't follow what he wanted to do. I'm glad you ain't following what your flesh wants to do. You better be glad I ain't following what my flesh wants to do. But what are we doing? He has put it in our hearts to do his will and his will is what we want to do this word it's amazing the words that John used when he wrote this the expression put into their hearts means to cause someone to decide to resolve and to purpose So it means to cause them to decide. They didn't actually decide themselves. They didn't actually resolve or purpose within themselves, but they had a cause. I'm glad I know that cause's name. Oh, you see, that's some of you with your old Pentecostal background, some of you. Oh, glory to God, I got so sick and tired of the world. I'll tell you one thing, I was out there in the world, but one day I made up my mind. I was getting ready to go to the altar. I grabbed a hold of them horns. No, you never done it. You sucked on your cigarettes. You dropped your beer. You looked at your pornography. You was as happy as a hog in the wallow because that's what you were. But it come time for you to be born again it come time for you to respond what was it it was the seed of God down inside of your soul it was not your makeup it was not your desire it was that representation that God put in you before the foundation of the world and God made you join together with his decision Hallelujah. Well, you say, I made up my mind. No, you never. He made up your mind for you. Hallelujah. 
Tell me what devil can change God's mind. Tell me what weakness, what sickness. God has put it in their hearts. So God one day just caused them to decide. So here are these dictators, which is not a crown king. They just get up one day, you know, just doing whatever dictators do. Say, I hate that whore church. I can't believe I said that. And their WhatsApp and their buddies and the text and their other nine, and you know, and they all get onto this same thing and say, What? Ain't this dangerous to say this? And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just puts it on them. Read with me in Exodus chapter 10, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants that I might show these my signs before him. Turn around to the book of Romans chapter 9. Well, you're talking about a book that causes a lot of folks to stumble, the book of Romans. And boy, this chapter 9 really adds a lot more stumbling with it. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Can you imagine God using a man like Pharaoh and he's going to use him in a negative way to declare the name of the Lord throughout all the earth? Oh, therefore he hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will he hardeneth. And the church said... Thou will say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay? Oh my. Uh, Notice this, of the same lump, of humanity, of course, to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known and endured with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? Wow. So here's like your little child taking some Play-Doh. And it takes this one and that one and puts it together. What's it making? A dog. And it puts legs and puts a tail and puts ears. And then it takes another out of the same thing and it makes a log cabin or it makes a, a lighthouse or a microphone or a pulpit. Why? It has in its mind something and then it reaches down and tears it up again and remolds it into another image. Can you imagine that dog looking up and saying, I didn't want to be a dog. The dog can't talk, the lighthouse can't talk, the microphone can't talk. What if God, what if God willing to put up with the vessels that are fitted to destruction? Don't you understand? He could go 10 million years and offer grace to some of these people. They would never accept it. Why? (laughs) Fitted to destruction. 
Verse 23, now somebody ought to shout with me on this one because this is who, who I hope I'm preaching to tonight. That he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. The riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Brother, sister, you want to be rich? If you've got the mercy of God tonight, you're one rich person. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory. Unto glory. Notice Jeremiah 25, 9. Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. What? My servant? That don't sound like a Jewish name to me. You know why? He wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. He was a servant. Well, did he serve God? Well, Sort of like this microphone is serving me. You see, this microphone is serving me a purpose tonight. It's saving my throat, which I greatly appreciate. This same microphone, though, a rock singer could have come in tonight in this place and rented a room on the other side. They could have went down to the music store, wherever it was Brother Michael bought this hat, and they could have put it on a rock and roll guy's ear, and he could stand up there and beat the drums and carry on the office best ever was. Well, it would serve him. It just depends on whose ear it winds up on. Well, it wound up on my ear tonight to speak the wonderful words of life. But the microphone is simply a servant. So if we drop it out here somewhere and somebody picks it up, some country western singer could pick it up and sing about somebody down somebody wrong song or some kind of love story or some kind of adultery or something other going on and the microphone has no will of its own to say, hey, don't do that. I belong to Donnie Reagan. He's a pastor. Don't do that. I ain't supposed to say them kind of song. Why? The microphone has no will. It has no ability to resist. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me tonight. I wish one of these days God would help every one of us to realize it ain't how strong we are. It ain't how big we are. It ain't how much resolve we've got. It's how great our God is. It's how great His power is. It's greater than our will. It's greater than our weakness. It's greater than our shortcoming. It's greater than all of our mistakes. The will of God is what wills you to be bride. And there ain't nothing that will ever stop you, friends. So here's the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Now I know that this is not Nebuchadnezzar, but Rezer. And will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them. So one day this Nebuchadnezzar just gets up and he's just out there and enjoying his kingdom and says, man, what a palace I got. I want you to look at all these donkeys and these horses and cattle and stuff. And all of a sudden, he just said, I want more. I'm heading south. I'm going to the Mediterranean. The day before, he had no plans. He was going on an extended vacation to Mesopotamia, maybe somewhere. But all of a sudden, he gets up, 
Something's driving him. Who was it? The will of God. And will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing and perpetual desolation. You see, the same God that sent Nebuchadnezzar is the same one that sent Nebuchadnezzar against Tyre and Sidon. The same one that sent Alexander to Asia. The same one that sent Attila the Hun to Rome. The same one that moved on a man in 1931 who was unknown, not famous, not popular, Adolf Hitler. And all of a sudden he moved into a realm. I know this stumbles some people, but the prophet says it in the third exodus. What was it? The tender hand of Jehovah. Oh, glory to God. Why? They are not under grace. They're under law. They're under legalism. Under the, all the different places of the, around the world that God sent them. And what did God use? God used something like the Holocaust. You understand many of the Jews today don't even believe in God. There's a great portion of Jews that they are Jews after the flesh, but they are atheists. They do not believe in God. What is it that stumbles them? The Holocaust. And they say, how could there be a God that would allow our people to do this and that and the other? It wasn't God that caused that. It was their own sin. Did not God tell them, I'll scatter you to the nations. But don't don't forget this. He will gather them again. Think of it, friends. A great portion, if not all, of the 144,000 may already be in Israel. Remember, the mechanics of all this is coming together. Every one of them may be there in the land. What are they waiting for? Hallelujah. Moses and Elijah to be able to come and start preaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And at the same time, the secular Jews of the world, you know what they're planning on? Third temple. Third temple. As I've been looking at different ones of them and different reports and their testimonies, they're ripe, Perry. They're ripe for the move of the Antichrist. Because the way they look at it, this has got to come. Messiah must come, Messiah, as we say. He must come and he will be the one that will sacrifice the tenth time down through the ages since the book of Numbers that the red heifer will be offered. Only offered nine times through all these thousands of years. But according to their tradition, the Messiah will do it the tenth time. And now they've got five of them there ready and waiting. Oh, where are we, friends, as the people of God? The wheels of prophecy are turning together and the bride's getting ready and the devil's getting ready and Russia's getting ready and America's getting ready. What's it for? It's the actors on the stage. Our time has arrived. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, God simply employs them as his agents to fulfill his will. So kings, princes, potentates, dictators. John says, again, Revelation 17, 17, and God put it in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree, to act harmoniously. Now they go into this pact in a unison. They agree together to even do it. The ten horns on the head. Same thing Daniel saw. And they agreed to do it. How in the world could you ever get 10 dictators to agree to much of anything? It's hard to get 10 Christians to agree on much of anything. Much less dictators. Who's doing it? The sovereignty 
of God. But there's a time frame. They will agree. They will harmonize. They'll say, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. The world's in a terrible shape. Inflation's so high. Interest is so high. This is so high. But we found a superman. A man that will bring great economy to the world and great peace. And he's found the answer to the Islamic slash Jewish question. How will there ever be peace in Jerusalem? Australia just two weeks ago decided by their vote they no longer recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. The majority of the United Nations do not recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. 129 of them voted so that there's really no record, really no record or proof that they actually own it. And they dig up artifacts every day. Every day that shows David was here and Solomon was there and Moses was here. And where's those artifacts for the Palestinians? Show me where the original baptism of the Holy Ghost has any claim on Catholicism. I can show you where they started and it wasn't on the day of Pentecost as far as them original 120. Well, come on now. But you know what they want to do? They want to tell us that in our inheritance. You ain't taking my inheritance from me. I'm an original Acts 2.4, Acts 2.38 Christian filled with the Holy Ghost, believe God's word. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is my inheritance. I don't care how many dry hide preachers we got around the message that wants to come and preach psychology and say, well, all we do is believe with our mind. It takes more than believing with our mind. We gotta have the baptism of the Holy Ghost in order to set our young people free. We need young people that are filled with the Spirit of God that can overcome pornography and rock and roll and the things of the world. There's only one thing that can do that and that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ living inside his church. But every church wants to say they're original. I passed by Church of Christ not long ago. And I agree with Brother Branham, there's only thing, one thing missing off that sign, and that is anti. And I passed by that church across, and I seen their sign out in front and said, founded 33 A.D. I thought, you bunch of liars. <laughs> 33 A.D.? Can you imagine Peter up there on the day of Pentecost staggering around like a drunk man? My goodness, they'd throw him out of a church of Christ church. Well, hallelujah. Standing up there speaking in tongues of the pillar of fire coming down there and dividing himself on each one of them. That's the original church of 33 AD. They had the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and that's why the devil hates it to this day. He don't hate cold religion. He don't hate organized religion, but he hates a true born again, Holy Ghost filled child of God that stands up for the word and calls the devil a liar and says healing is mine, joy is mine, peace is mine deliverance is mine it's my original inheritance I'm an Acts 2 child of God, it belongs to me, out of my way Satan I'm original
If my feet wasn't hurting, I'd preach tonight. (laughs) They would agree until the time of the word comes and then all of a sudden without them preparing it, thinking about it, even giving their will to it, something just severs them from that whole church. Like it did those of you who were at one time in it. And John said, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. You see, this is not a permanent arrangement with the dictators. Satan probably thought he had some of you permanently as his. Look at her. She'll never get rid of that lady, Maybelline. She'll never give up her Mary Kay. He'll never give up his coolers. He'll never give up his cigarettes. He'll never give up that Led Zeppelin and ACDC and Knucklehead and all that sort of stuff. Man, he's too hooked on that stuff. He loves Elvis too much. He loves Nat King Cole. Now I'm going way back at it. <laughs> there ain't no way in the world he's addicted to that stuff and he was right as far as what he knew. But the only thing that was addicted to alcohol and to the things of the world was that unconverted nature on the inside of us. That that seed gene of God had never sinned in the first place. It had never done anything wrong. All it needed was the breath of God to breathe on it. All it needed was the unction of the Holy Ghost and all the drinking went away and the adultery went away and the lying went away. Hallelujah! Why? It was time for the word to be fulfilled. I know some of you may be thinking tonight, Brother Donnie, aren't you afraid to preach this way in this place? Oh, you can tell I'm scared to death. As a matter of fact, I'd be scared not to if this is what the Lord puts on my heart. Now listen, in verse 18, and the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth, which was Johnson City, Bristol, Washington, Rome. They even acknowledge it themselves. I've read some of their writings and they, they make no bones about it. And John says, she reigneth over the kings of the earth. And then he tells us, it's that city. Can you imagine? She's so powerful. She has power over the kings. Now watch, we go from Revelation 17 to Revelation 18.1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven. Now remember John is not saying this in sequence as far as time. 
You know, God has a way of dealing with his prophets. And, and God created seven dimensions, of course, in the beginning. Light, matter, time, science, where the unbeliever goes, where the believer goes, and where God is. God knowing that science would need the fourth dimension. God also knew that demons and angels would use the fourth dimension. Also, prophets would be accessible into the fourth dimension. And that's why Brother Branham could see somebody before him in a vision. And he'd say, I, I see you as a child. Maybe the person standing there 30 or 40, 50 years old. And I, I can see you as a child. I see you coming home from school and you've got a, a yellow checkered dress on and a dog gets, gets behind you and scares you and you run up on the porch and you open the door and you fall through the door and you've had that fear on you ever since. Now he could go from their past decades ago this would happen he could come up to the present and then if the vision would advance on into the future, then he'd wait for thus saith the Lord. What was the thus saith the Lord? The continuation of the vision into the future of the individual. This is why we can have confidence tonight, friend. We are going to win. Why? The vision of the bride continued on. Even when the bride stepped out of line, the vision didn't stop. The vision didn't stop. Are there people out of line? Sure they are. But if they're part of that vision, they will get back in line. Why? Because the vision continues on. Oh, people hate this message. They hate it worse than any denomination around the world. They've done everything to stop it. They've done everything to try to pull people out of it. And the more they try, the more it reverberates around the world. The more they try to shut it down, the more preachers they hate, the more anointed we get, and the more we preach, and we're still going right on with the same motive, the same objective. Why? The vision continues on. And it will not stop until you're changed nothing will stop it it cannot so in sequence in order of sequence the way we count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 we say well that's the order that it is not when you come to prophetic utterance now we jump from chapter 17 which is in right in the middle of the tribulation period and we jump backwards And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. Now you see, many of the great theologians and great teachers, they applied this during the time of the tribulation period. But that ain't the way Elijah applied it. As a matter of fact, Elijah applied it this way. Why well, I'm against organized religion. Why did this angel say come out of her? This angel come to the earth and he come to bring the light and he shined the light around the world. He was a mighty angel and he come to proclaim the message of come out of Babylon and touch not her unclean things. You got a whole cage full of them. She's a cage of every hateful bird, yeah? Got a cage full of them right now. The World Council of Churches or Lodges. Whoo. She's got the whole bunch caged up now. They're all coming together. She become a cage. Well, at one time, many of us was in there and we was like the eagle all trapped, but we was ordained for higher heights. Oh my, don't you understand why some people feel so happy in a coop? They're chickens. Woo, well, glory to God. I never did feel happy in that coop, did you? 
I never did feel like it was home to me. I'd stretch out them big wings of mine and knock a few of them chickens off here and there and there. And some of them chicken pastors out there, boy, they'd try to control us and tell us this and that and the other. I always looked funny with my great big eagle claws locked around that chicken roost pole. And there I sat there with my big weak chicken around like that, flicking around from one side to the other, looking up in the heaven and said, there's got to be more to God than shouting. There's got to be more to God than jumping around. There's got to be more to God than just speaking in tongues. What, what was it? My body was testifying there's something out yonder I'm going to and one day it got a hold to me. I didn't get a hold to it, but it got a hold to me and pulled me beyond that old chicken coop. Hallelujah! And then pastors said, that's a call. That's a call. That's a call. Come here, honey. Come here. They're going to deceive you. So we set our wings. First time we'd used them. So we didn't know what to do. It ain't no wonder we went straight from Pentecost to the deep end of the message. It ain't no wonder we just learned how to fly. So we jumped up on the post in the barnyard. We're trying to find our balance. That's all a lot of us when we come out of Pentecost. We got to a place where we didn't believe in the supernatural no more. Didn't believe God could speak to us no more. We're so off balance there and we're trying to get a balance up here. And here we sit on the fence post. Them great big old wings about a six foot spread. Sitting right on top of that fence post trying to figure it all out. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we heard that voice. It kept call, call. You better not do that. That man's a false prophet. Somebody told me that he done this. Somebody told me that he belonged to the KKK. Somebody told me he done this and that and the other. Uh Uh-huh, go ahead, Pastor Rooster. Tell your lies. Tell your lies. Take your chickens right straight to the tribulation period. But you ain't gonna stop this bride. She's gonna fly beyond the coop. She's gonna fly beyond the hens. She's gonna fly beyond the rooster. She's gonna fly beyond that cage of hateful birds in the heavenly atmosphere with Christ Jesus to where she's gonna be changed in a moment. And there was your poor little mama. Ooh. And she was running all over that upon you. Honey, I'm the one who gave you them grasshoppers. Thanks, Mom. I'm the one who dug them worms out of the ground and gave them to you. I'm the one who nurtured you. Was it not me that gave your first door to preach in? Was it not me that done this and that and the other? And all of a sudden is, you look up her and you see the image of something you want to be like. You always knew the whole time you was out there in that barnyard, you wasn't no chicken. There was the deep inside of you calling. I find it amazing, some of these folks that are leaving the message. I don't don't have to deal with that sometimes. Whenever people say they're leaving the message, and what exactly does that mean? 
So we believe in baptism of the Holy Ghost. We believe in water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus. We believe in forgiveness by grace. We believe in the mercy of God. We believe in the sovereignty of God. We believe in a rapture. We believe in a body change. We believe in five wise, five foolish virgins. We believe in 144,000. We believe in a tribulation period. We believe in a rapture. On and on and on and on I could go. So when people say they're leaving the message, that means they're leaving all that too? Because that's what we believe in the message. We believe the Bible. We believe the Bible. We believe we're saved by the grace of God. That's what the message people believe. So when you say you're leaving the message, you're leaving the Bible? But it's evident that's what some of them do because I've heard on how many of them when they leave the message and what they do, they go straight back and be rebaptized in titles. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It showed they never had no revelation in the first place. What was it? Those chickens that got caught up with it. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. God sent a prophet. You've seen chickens fly, ain't you? And they jump up off the ground and fly about that high. Boom, boy, they're gone no time. But the eagle's just getting his engines revved up. Whoa. He's just getting started about the time he gets head high. And he just learned how to balance himself in the word. Oh, he's going to look at now and say, goodbye, mama, goodbye. I've seen all this chicken coop I want to see. Oh, hallelujah. Things in that hen house ain't got no hold on me. I ain't worried about the bishop because I know he's ready to come. I'm ready to go. Let me out of here. Let me out of this cage. Lord have mercy Brothers told me the other day after service on Sunday, he said, I guess you heard me amen a lot. Said his, his wife said, his daughter said, how many cups of coffee daddy had for church? <laughs> well, that ain't my problem because I don't drink coffee. <laughs> the prophet said, notice this angel of light, the last angel. It's the angel in the church age of Laodicea, which is Revelation 3 and also Revelation 10. It's the Laodicean messenger because the very next chapter is chapter 19, which is the coming of the bride. And this is the scripture of the last angel that come to bring light. Praise the Lord. To come to bring light before the coming of the bride to go meet Christ. It was the Laodicean church age. What was the Laodicean church age messenger? Calling them out of Babylon. Look, church is called her in the cage with her, her dogmas and denying the word. This is the angel of light to the Laodicean church. You want to give this up? Where do all of them that give it up? Where do they go? Darkness. They can't go nowhere else. There's only two things, light and darkness. Oh my. They rejected Christ and his word for dogma and put him outside. He stood at the door knocking, trying to get in. And Christ is the word and he was rejected. Knocking on the outside. This is the angel's message which come from God. Was echoing his message on the earth to come out of Babylon. Now notice Revelation 18 too. And he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils. 
and of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Wow. So guess what this is? The mother and all of her daughters. Well, I'm going to go ahead and go a little farther with you tonight, friends. Some of the message folks are just as bad as bad as they are. Because <clears throat> if you don't go along with them on everything they believe, well, you ain't bright, and we know how many's going in the rapture, do you? Yeah, how many listens to our pastor's tapes? That's how many gone. Denomination. Denomination. Brother Branham said a man wrote him and told him, said, Brother Branham, if your name is not on our church book, you are lost. He said, let me say this. If you believe such a thing, you are lost. Because you're doing away with the work of Jesus Christ. People aren't saved because they belong to our church. They are not saved. They're not bride because they come to Johnson City. They are bride because he chose them before the foundation of the world. Whether they are black or white, red or yellow, whether they live in Virginia or North Carolina or Tennessee or Malawi or Zimbabwe or Tanzania or Kenya or Algiers or wherever they're from, they are part of Christ and nothing will change that. Now, I want you to notice this angel was a prophet. Uh huh. The messenger of him that caused things that are not as though they are. Remember, we talked about Rahab on, on Sunday, how that she was speaking the way of the prophets. She called those things which are not as though they were. Whenever Rahab told the two spies, I know, I know that the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is the secret name of God. Oh, the word God, which means Elohim. That was a common word even among the heathens of that day. But the name capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Glory. Where did she hear such a name? She was recording or talking about events that happened back in the land of Egypt which is before she was even born. (laughs) Hallelujah. Notice what Isaiah says in Isaiah 13, 21. Wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there, and satyrs shall dance there. Notice the language of prophets how they would liken forsaken Ichabod moves to a place to where animals would come and live. Isaiah 13, 22, and the wild beasts of the island shall cry in their desert houses, houses rather, and the dragons in their pleasant palaces, and her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 39. Therefore the wild beasts of the desert with the wild beasts of the island shall dwell there, and the owls shall dwell therein. So whoever this is in Revelation 18 talks like the prophets did of the Old Testament. And he's also prophesying. Look what they said about Edom in Isaiah 34, 11. But the cormorant and the bittern shall possess it, and the owl also and the raven shall dwell in it. And he shall stretch out upon it the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. 
They shall call the nobles thereof to the kingdom, but none shall be there. All her princes shall be nothing. And thorns shall come up in their palaces, nettles and brambles in the fortresses there. What is it? Symbolism. Symbolism of a forsaken and forgotten city. A forsaken and forgotten kingdom. And God likens it. Once they come to that spot, they're turned over to the animal kingdom. Friends, can't you see what our civilization is? Can't you see why they're doing what they're doing? They're lower than animals. Humans in this day are doing things a hog would not do. A dog would not do. A dog would give her life for her pups. A hog would give her life for her, for her little, little pigs, would she not? My goodness, look at what an animal will do. And yet women, women are willing to forfeit the lives of their babies and not even give them a chance to breathe the breath of life. A dog wouldn't do that. An animal wouldn't do that. What is if the whole thing has become turned into hell? Oh, God, keep us, Lord. Notice in verse 15, there shall the great owl make her nest and lay and hatch and gather under her shadow. There shall vultures also be gathered, every one with her mate. Notice again in Revelation 18, 3, and we'll close. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Won't you notice this, this prophet, this voice identifies every nation on the face of the earth. All nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of this woman. What woman was it? The woman in Revelation 17. After this voice had identified who she was, now this voice is telling why the atomic bomb will fall right in the middle of her. I'm sure you know it already, but just to remind you tonight, Russia will destroy Rome. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Notice her tie into government. Notice her tie into sovereignty of natural kings on the earth. No wonder the shipmen and the sailors and the merchants, once they saw the Vatican annihilated, and they will see it on television and media and all the things. So how do you think they're going to see the bodies of Moses and Elijah laying in the streets? How do you think they're going to see that around the world? It'll be by television, by internet. They will leave their bodies laying in the streets for three and a half days in that city which is called spiritually Sodom and Egypt. Isn't it amazing how God symbolized that? Which is what? Jerusalem. They will lay there for three and a half days and the people of the earth, the Bible says, the earth, not just that local city. It will be on the six o'clock news. The next morning it will be the first thing on the news. CNN, Fox, all the rest of them will have their people there and they will despise these two prophets so much they will leave their bodies laying in the street for three and a half days 
And then the Spirit of God will come down out of heaven and will resurrect Moses and Elijah and they'll jump up out of there by the power of the resurrection and God will give them a personal private rapture right into his presence. Oh my. Why, them two holy rollers, my, they brought all kinds of hectic problems on them. They stopped the sun. They stopped the moon. Whatever they wanted, if anybody come against them, fire went out of their mouths and killed them. Well, it's doing the same thing tonight. (laughs) Notice, all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So whoever this woman is, she's a fornicator against who? Almighty God. But she has got thousands of daughters. Now, when the prophet was here, there wasn't near as many as there are now. Last count, I had over 9,000 denominational daughters. Yeah. So if she had all them young'uns and they wasn't God's kids, reckon who they belonged to. They're of their daddy, the devil. Let's stand. Notice how she's tied to the monetary system of the earth. We'll pick it up again next time we get to speak on it if y'all want me back. (laughs) And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies 30 years ago the Vatican Bank had 10 billion dollars invested in foreign companies the vaults at the Vatican hold at least one metric ton of gold 31 million dollars was seized from the Vatican Bank. Do you realize the Vatican has its own bank? $31 million was seized from the Vatican Bank by Italian authorities during an investigation into money laundering. $2 billion was paid out of settlements by the Catholic Church for sex abuse cases just in the United States. In 2011, one offering that was lifted called the Peter's Pence, P-E-N-C-E, brought in $86 million. One offering. The Sistine Chapel offers a look of how difficult it is to appraise such wealth. Estimates range from 400 billion up to 2 trillion dollars just for that one masterpiece. All the wealth of the world. And what they don't have, the Jews on Wall Street do. The Catholic Church is the largest, topmost Christian organization which has an estimated wealth of more than 30 billion dollars as of 2022. They are the largest private land owner in 
the world. The merchants of the earth have become drunk. Praise the Lord. Now you may stand here tonight and you may not have enough money to go through the drive-thru at McDonald's to get you a hamburger. And you say, boy, I ain't got much. Whenever you leave, there may may be a whole lot to fuss and fight about amongst your children. But if you know Jesus and you're walking in the light of this angel, which has made a declaration, come out of her, my people. And people say they're leaving this cult or whatever they call it and say now they're free, but they're going back into her and her daughters. Uh-huh. And now they've made this their life's commission to fight against, to stand against this message that at one time made them free. Now, if you want to stand against something, why don't you stand against this church? After all, she's the one that God's against. You want to have something to stand against? Stand against her. She's killed millions of people down through time. So if you want to have an agenda to stand against somebody, stand against some true murderers. Do you know of any message preachers that teaches anybody how to make a a bomb and put in a a vest and blow people up and they get into a shopping mall or someplace like that? You You ever hear any message teaching on how to become an ISIS bomb squad or anything like that? Any of y'all ever done any research, very much research at all, and look at what the Palestinian children are taught whenever they're three and four and five years old? That they wear these suicide vests and they carry guns and they've got all this sort of stuff on them and their life's goal is to give their life to blow up a Jew? And yet our nation embraces Islam and calls it one of the most peaceful religions. I think I'm a dummy and you folks are senators and congressmen. And you ain't gotten no more sense than that. Well, praise the Lord, Brother Donnie. Why is it that Satan hates this message so bad? It's the only thing that can produce a body change. Amen. Glory. Amen. <laughs> I don't blame him. I'd fight it too if I was him. But all of his fighting. It keeps right on going and going, and one day she'll be going, going, and gone. Don't look for me, because I won't be here. When this is going on, friends, we'll be sitting up at that great big table stretched thousands of miles long. By this time, he will have already walked out, and you would have sat there in that moment of all as the tears trickle out of your eyes for the last time and you feel that great presence and you stand up and there he is standing right above you maybe he reaches over and puts his hand on your shoulder and said Tom whatever your word name is I'm so glad you and Mary's back together now you sit there and cry, and you and her sitting there holding hands young again. Don't cry no more. You stood for me. I've made a table for you. Praise God. I don't care what we have to go through, friends.
it'll be worth it all. Aren't you glad he called you out of that cage? You remember that old life you had? Some of us was as mean. We as mean as snakes. Wasn't we? We as low down. We as rotten. Why? We was reflecting the cage we was in. We was hateful. We was contrary. People that claim to have the Holy Ghost and grouchy and hateful and contrary, that ain't the Holy Ghost of the Bible. Oh, no, the Holy Ghost is firm and sure and stern and all that. That's right. But the nature of the Holy Ghost is the very spirit and nature of Christ. It calls us out of that old hateful move. Oh, you want to cause trouble all the time. You need to get out of that cage. Come over here where we set our wings in the presence of God. Let's bow our heads tonight, if you would. Oh, Jesus. We're not here tonight, Father, to condemn. We're not here to say this individual is this or that. The truth of it is, None of us know who is and who is not. There may be somebody that we don't really even like humanly. We might not like being around them or enjoy being around them. Maybe they've got something in their life that just so bothers us. But by this weekend, they could be totally free from that. And we may think, oh, they're foolish virgin. How could they be bride? But we really don't have a bride measuring stick or a bride magnifying glass when we can look down on a person's heart. I pray you'd help us, Jesus, that we can love and we can forgive, not compromise, but we can love those who hate us, those who inflict evil upon us. Dear Father, make us like you. Help us, Lord Jesus, that we can forgive those that absolutely would kill us if they could. Oh, Lord, May we spread this light. Give us wisdom. Lord, many people, when they go to talking, Father, and they, they give out too much at one time, but help us, Brother Gary and I talked about it yesterday, Lord. Help us to be able to spread the light as the seed requires it and help us to have wisdom. Help us, Lord Jesus, that we can reflect you. May we be nice. May we be kind. May we reach out. Lord God, I believe with all of my heart, you have a reason for us being here at the Holiday Inn. You know what that reason is? I can't say I know. But I pray if somebody walks up and down these aisles and they hear something, maybe back here where I sit, I don't know. There may be a seed roaming around here. They're looking for something and they don't know what it is. Let our light so shine, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for the sick. I pray for the discouraged. I pray for the weary. Father, in the name of Jesus, if you can move on these dictators' hearts and their hearts will be turned and they will bomb and destroy the very thing they've stood for for years, then, Lord, I know all you've got to do is look toward a tumor a demon of cancer, a demon of oppression, weariness or sadness, and say, be gone. And that devil has to take its hands off of your children. Father, we claim our inheritance tonight. Lord Jesus, bring your children back to the land of good health. Granted, I pray, Father, 
We worship you tonight, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Father. Take us from this place. Lord, it's more unfitting every day that we live. Help us that we can reach that last one. Grant it, dear God. We love you, Father. I mean, he loves him tonight with all your heart. You got any plans that can't be interrupted by the rapture? <laughs> no, not if you're bride, there's not. I don't care what you've got planned. You may have a world trip that's so renowned, something on your bucket list that you've planned your entire life. There ain't nothing you could ever do or ever think about that even compare to this rapture that lays before us. Oh, hallelujah. Can we just worship him? I know they got a set time for us to be out of here, but we're still good. Sing it for us, Harry. Let's just worship him together. Come, sweet Jesus. Come, Come sweet Jesus. Jesus. Take me from this place. I really don't belong. Oh, yes, Lord. I want to see your face. Everybody now. Come, Lord Jesus. Come take me. Come take your bride away, Lord. Hallelujah. Really want to see Lord. Jesus come today. Come, sweet Jesus. Take me from.
I've never seen it, but I keep believing it's a place like I've ever known. I keep my eyes on the sky, Lord, I'm ready to fly. Lord, my heart is ready to go. I want to know how it I want to know how it feels to have a talk with the saints of old. I want to know what it's like to rest my feet by the river of life. I've heard of heaven and I know that it's real. I want to know how it feels I want to know how it feels To make my way down the streets of gold I want to know how it feels Thank you, Lord God Have a talk with the saints Thank of you, Lord God. Oh, I want to know what it's like. Amen, Lord. Rest my feet by the river of life. I've heard of heaven, and I believe that it's real. I want to know how it feels. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can we just raise our wings up in the presence of the king? Oh, Jesus. Remember at one time, them eagle wings of yours is all cramped up in that old hen house. If it wasn't a denomination, it was some bar somewhere, some system that you couldn't love him right and you couldn't praise him right. But here you stand tonight in his presence. Your soul has been liberated. You've been illuminated not only to salvation, but to the voice of Revelation 18.1. People say, do you think the message is important? Well, I ask you, how are you going to come out of Babylon if you don't hear the, the message of that messenger of Revelation 18.1? And how can you come out of Babylon if you come out and then you go back in and say, I don't need him no more? No, nope. if he calls you out, it'll be the continuation of that message that'll pull you in. Because redemption has two phases, coming out of and going into. So if the voice of Revelation 18 called us out, what did it call us into? Branhamism? To the Branham Tabernacle? It called us into Jesus Christ, our mate, the Word. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, we shall be changed. Oh, we shall be changed. Gonna be changed from this mortal to immortality. Oh, in the twinkling of an eye. Come on, bride. Oh, we shall be changed. 
mortal to immortality in the twinkling of an eye. Oh, we shall be changed by the grace of Jesus. We shall be changed. In the twinkling of an eye Oh, we have heard the voice of Malachi 4 Oh, I said we have heard the voice of Malachi 4 Oh, yeah It opened the revelation Straight into the presence of God And we are going through that open door. Oh, we shall be changed. Hallelujah. We shall be changed. Changed from this mortal to immortality. God bless you, saints. Love you in the Lord. Tonight, as we go, amen. How many of us enjoy the word of the Lord this evening? <laughs> Service Sunday morning at 11. Come believing, come expecting. Oh, one day I'm gonna take a step towards the body. One day I'm gonna take another step into my body. He's going to set me free at the opening. Oh, I hear it calling me. It's calling, come up a little higher into the perfect work. Oh, come up a little higher into agape love. Sure.
No 